This week on Mercy House University's podcast, we have a special bonus episode. During our conversation with Elaine about why the resurrection matters here and now, we had a little conversation about what kind of practices we can incorporate into our quiet times, into our devotional times, to live out the truth and the importance of the resurrection. So we decided to incorporate that as a little bonus episode or a bonus ode in between our normally scheduled bi-weekly episodes. So we hope that you enjoy. Here's that conversation. Cool. So thank you for uh, sharing with us just these incredibly rich uh, theological insights from the scripture and from uh, the church tradition of, of how we've, people have grappled with and wrestled with the significance of the resurrection. Um, and you talked about us meditating on these things and learning to not just think about these as abstract concepts, but have them become hope for us, right? Like how, how does, how does this thing which happened 2000 years ago or is true as this big theological thing that, Oh, Jesus is reigning. What does that mean for me right now today? And how, how do I learn to experience and know that as something that is, is personally life transforming. Um, so could you share some of the techniques and practices and things that you have used and you found helpful to, to have that reality become uh, really existentially meaningful for you? <laughs> yeah, actually it's funny. I, um, I would describe myself as a chronic malcontent and then I, everything is always just a little bit disappointing. <laughs> so um, in my like spiritual practices over the years, I always feel like I could, this could be so much better if I just did this differently or like I need to, um, you know, do two more hours of this every week or something. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I've tried a lot of things basically is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think first, the first thing that I would emphasize is scripture um, study and meditation. Um, like, you know, I used the term earlier, marinate your mind, like just really soak in the scriptures and a good way to do that. There's two things that I really would recommend. One is um, reading the Bible a lot. And I, I mean the whole Bible when I say that. Um, and I also mean like over and over and over and over. Um, so, in the you know, in the past, I've tried following plans that I found online, like, you know, like Bible in a year mm-hmm. type things, but I always end up falling behind and getting discouraged and bogged down in the slower Old Testament books. Um, you mean you don't like to be discouraged by <laughs> rigid planning? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, so I have, I have a system I'm using now where I, I broke the Bible up into chunks um, and I didn't come up with this, but I kind of like modified it to suit me. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually have six sections, but you could do two or three Um and I just treat each, sec- each section as a book and I read it each book cover to cover kind of on a rotation. Um, so I just read as much as makes sense for a day and then I pick up the next day where I left off. Um, and what ends up happening is I'm, I'm reading um, the entire Bible over and over. Um, and, you know, I might get through the New Testament letters every couple of months. Um, it might take me a little longer, like nine, nine or 10 months to get through the prophets or the Old Testament um, histories and things like that. And so, uh, you know, reading the whole Bible over and over gives you a really good handle on what's in there. Um, and you'll find that your brain starts to develop its own index. Um, you start making connections uh, you used to only rely on preachers for. 
And um, of course, if you're reading prayerfully, the Holy Spirit is going to show you a lot in the scriptures. Um, and then another scripture reading technique that I have found helpful, and I don't do this all the time because it's pretty time consuming, but it's good to use once in a while, is um, to read and reread the same uh, one book over and over. Um, so uh, with shorter books like Colossians and Ephesians, you might be able to read the whole book through in like 20 minutes. So you could read it about you know 50 times in a few weeks. So I actually did a study a few years ago where we read First um, Peter 50 times in one semester. And I basically pretty much ended up memorizing that letter. Um, actually, I think I did memorize it. <laughs> I've lost it now, but... You know, so I still have a really good handle on where everything is in that book. I can like picture it in my head because I, I also recommend using the same like copy of the Bible so that yeah. you're, you get visual grids in your mind of where things are. Nice. Um, and it's just a really good way to get familiar with the Bible um, book by book. And if you're dealing with longer books like Jeremiah or Hebrews or Romans, um, what I've done is to just, I'll just read as far as I can on a given day and then pick up where I left off and then read through again Mm -hmm. until I've read it a couple dozen times. And of course, again, if you're praying as you're reading, God is going to show you a lot. Um, And if you're specifically asking for insight into his eternal promises, uh, you'll be starting to see those more and more. And I'd also recommend as you're reading the Bible a lot to um, begin assembling passages to meditate on. So, you know, as you're reading the whole Bible or rereading single books, um, you might find passages that point to your eternal hope and you can just jot those down and carry them with you and um, just work on memorizing them and meditating on them more and more. So, yeah, I like that you're making that distinction between reading the Bible in a way to get like quantity, like just getting a hold on everything that's there, reading a Bible, to reading your Bible to memorize certain things, reading your Bible in a way that's meditative. Uh, there are like lots of different ways that you can read scripture and all of them have benefits and it's good to kind of diversify your bonds as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it really helpful personally to, to separate some of those approaches, uh, at least mentally, like when I sit down, like, okay, am I reading to study right now or am I reading to meditate or am I reading just to get like volume of mm-hmm. like exposure to, to like the re, you know to re-expose myself to what's in Leviticus t- uh, today or something um, because if I don't set out explicitly to myself what is it I'm doing then my I have a sort of modus operandi which is more of the intellectualizing po- poking and prodding mentally kind of yeah. uh, and then I and I'm maybe not engaging or letting it. Uh, hit me in the heart as much and letting it uh, form me in the way that it, I should be doing. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate the way that you're distinguishing all those different mm. ways that you can read. Cool. Mm. If I might briefly, um, just reasons, reasons why I think maybe those are good, different approaches um, in the sense that we've got, on one level we have the human author uh, who's writing this one little piece of, of a, you know, we've got an epistle or we've got, you know, Moses writing these books, right? So we've got this, this more narrowly defined book. We want to know, okay, they have an introduction and they have a conclusion and they have this arguments and things they're trying to say in between. And so we want to get a whole sense of 
what are, what are they saying start to finish? Like, what's the big idea of the book of Romans? Okay, well, you can't just read Romans 7 or 8. Or you need to read the whole book of Romans cover to cover and get, okay, what, what is Paul doing here? And what are, the, what are the words that keep popping up over and over again? He keeps using this one phrase. Why does he keep, you know? Mm-hmm. And as you read the whole book cover to cover, you begin to get, pick up on those little elements that you miss if you spend a month slowly working through verse by verse. Right. You're going to miss the repetitions and the the cool turns of phrase that he's using that, that you might hear or notice if you sit down and, and go through it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of benefit to that aspect of it. Obviously, there's then those connections across the whole Bible because we have God as sort of the author of all of Scripture. So you want to be looking for what, what are things that are popping up and coming up again? And John's quoting Isaiah. And okay, well, what is, what is how is that being brought in? And so you have that big picture and you can start to make those connections as you read through all of Scripture you start to be able to connect those dots. Um, but at the same time, we have all of that because we do believe God is also authoring this book. There is, in some sense, this limitless depth, mm-hmm. right? So unlike another, you know, you know, some book you read in English class or something where you're like, okay, I've, I've annotated enough pages here. The author doesn't mean that much by this thing that they wrote. Um, every color is not significant. <laughs> uh, but there, there's some way in which... Um, Scripture has these almost sort of infinite depths that we can begin to mine because it's ultimately pointing us to a God who's infinite. So I think both uh, those the different techniques you're talking about, um, even here with Lexio Divina, then you get so deep because you have the, the limitless uh, depths of who God is that you're sort of mining. Yeah, and you, that you mentioned... Uh working through like paragraph by paragraph or something. The first Peter study I did, I think it was a booklet we did, but every, you're supposed to read the entire book every day. And then it was a 10 weeks and that book is five chapters. So we did a half chapter, like more um, detailed study. So you can work through a book in that way and work in both of those um, aspects where it's a little bit more devotional and study and then also the broader picture. So, um, and you just mentioned Lexio Divina. That's something that I have only recently discovered. I'm not sure how I missed it, um, but it's uh, just a really powerful and simple um, reading and meditation practice where you you read a passage a bunch of times and you meditate on it for a while, then you pray through it for a while, and then you just like sit with God with what you've learned. Um, and it's really amazing what happens in your heart when you spend. You know, like a good 30 minutes in one one or two sentences of the scriptures. Um, I have found that very helpful. Um, another thing that I'd like to do more of um, is to celebrate the resurrection. I guess what I mean is to d- develop a discipline of celebration. And it's kind of strange how hard it is for me to remember to do this, um, but, um, and also how little we do it in our culture. But, um, we don't make really a very big deal of Easter, even um, even though it is kind of our biggest holiday. Um, we tend to, like Holy Week is this big deal. And then Sunday, Easter Sunday is like the day to rest after a busy Holy Week. Um, we can finally eat chocolate again or whatever. Um, so, you know, Easter should really be like a several week long, rollicking, crazy ce- celebration. Um, and so I personally would like to develop practices around that in my my own life, but also to see more done at our church, maybe. 
And I also think it would be great to come up with ways to celebrate Easter every Sunday. So if you think of Sundays as mini Easter's, like they're weekly reminders that Jesus has risen from the dead and that we get to follow him when he returns. So, you know, like I, I just want to develop some habits in my personal life again um, to, 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 you know, celebrate Sundays as mini Easter's and make that a bigger deal. Um, uh, and I'd also, again, like to see more done on the church level. I do think that we, you know, our church services are pretty full of examples of remembering the gospel and and the resurrection, but, you know, I'm always wishing for more because <laughs> I'm chronically discontented. <laughs> so, um, and then another thing, I, I might talk about this more in episode eight, um, but observing the Sabbath as a foretaste of our eternal rest is something that um, I think Richard Baxter might talk about. If, I think that might be where I got this idea. But for a few years now, when I'm able to, I've um, I tried to observe the Sabbath as like, you know, looking forward to that and just enjoying the moments as like, you know, in, in heaven, it will be like this way. Mm-hmm. Or So yeah, I just try to spend more time in my quiet disciplines on Saturdays, um, I try to focus my meditations on God's eternal promises, um, things of that nature. I just think it's a cool way to observe the Sabbath and also a fruitful way for me to set my mind on eternal things. And basically it's helpful to develop some practices or disciplines of stillness that help you get inwardly quiet so you can be open to God's leading um, in your scripture meditation and prayer. Like I find it uh, helpful to get quiet before I even start praying or meditating on scripture but it's a discipline that sometimes is really hard to settle into. So it takes practice, uh, which is why I've been ranting for so long today. I just want to see people dive into these things and get fired up about God's eternal promises. Just think about a few of the things you said. One technique that we uh, actually having to do for a class um, is to sit down, and this is something to, for people to try even list, listening to books of the Bible, which is cool, and you can use a Bible apps or CDs, whatever. It's really easy to get pretty good copies of recordings. Uh, you can get, um, you know, Darth Vader to read to you or whatever, but you can <laughs> you can get people listening to it or just sitting, sitting down and reading it. Um, but so like we have to do this in the book of Isaiah, sit and either listen to or sit and read through the whole thing. It takes about two to three hours. So it's a, it's a chunk of time, um, but then to go through, and the ESV is particularly good for this because the uh, has really good natural paragraphing, is you go through and you come up with a short, like, one to four word summary of that paragraph, and you basically, do, you basically write out an outline of the book mm-hmm. in a really simple, memorable way, so that, and it just, it gives you this kind of visual and fluid mm-hmm. outline of the whole book. So by the time you've spent a few hours going through the whole book, and then you've spent another probably couple hours working through this thing, you have this really good sense of the whole layout of the book and the flow from the, the different events or the different arguments that are being made. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's another way of, of working through and kind of creating an outline as you go through. Um, it's a little bit more actively engaged in that way. Um, obviously, that takes a lot of time <laughs> to do that. Um, the other aspect of it, I mean, we talked about Sunday and traditionally that was called the Lord's Day, right? And that's why Christians started celebrating on Sundays because of the resurrection, mm. um, as opposed to the Sabbath being originally on a Saturday in the Jewish tradition. Um, 
And the church has a season built in called Eastertide leading up to Pentecost. So yeah, in more traditional, so Anglican, Lutheran, Orthodox, uh, Catholicism, there is built into the church calendar a whole season of celebrating Easter. I mean, it's eight weeks. Um, I mean, in, in traditions that do feasting better, they usually do fasting better than we do too. Uh, so I think those things generally tend to go together. The di- Well, if, if they're being done well, the, the discipline of anticipating the celebration of, of some great event in our church by fasting and and that's part of the anticipation mm-hmm. and you know fasting is, is a really great way to help us see what's going on internally to do some spiritual diagnostic work as it were and then also just to grow spiritually uh, to grow closer to God to deny ourselves so that we can take up our cross for a little while and then after the fasting comes the feasting and it's a great way to, to celebrate uh, the, it's a great way to celebrate Easter it's a great way to celebrate uh, the incarnation at Christmas time but yeah we're we're in a tradition that doesn't tend to do that as mm-hmm. robustly but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way yeah. um, I mean one thing I like to do is just have a regular prayer life <laughs> this sounds very simple but just doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be outlandish or um, grandiose in any way but just setting times in the day to say little prayers mm. to say the Lord's Prayer and to um, I, in our disciple in our small groups and discipleship groups last semester we studied the Acts model of prayer, which is not like a, it's not an exclusive model. It doesn't say this is the only way you can pray, but it's a helpful model to think about prayer as involving adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I, so often the way I'll pray is I'll, I'll start by saying the Lord's Prayer and using that as a really helpful way to, to just focus on what are the words mm-hmm. and really try and mean them. And then I'll just try and think about some truths about God that I can adore him for. And then some things I can confess and then some things I'm thankful for. And then some, some something I want to ask for. And I find that really helpful. Mm-hmm.